Amen. Let's all stand to our feet if you would. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 8. The book of Acts chapter 8, and we are going to begin reading in verse 1. When you got it, say so. <clears throat> and it says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem, and, there were, and they were all scattered throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc for the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man named Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as, the, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. God Almighty, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your power that is present in our lives, in our midst now. We thank you for your word that reminds us that you are an active God who is involved in our lives and you want to use us more than we could ever imagine or understand. And this morning, Lord God, as we come to the close of this series, I pray that our hearts would be captivated by your truth. I pray that our ears would be open and that we would hear Holy Spirit what you are saying to your church. I pray that we would not just hear your word, but that we would obey and that we would respond in faith and be doers of it. God, glorify yourself. Remove every distraction of our mind and our hearts, and may we be focused on you. May we worship you as we hear your word today, God. I thank you for this, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, just raise your hand and the ushers will be sure to get you an outline. As always, we want to make sure you can follow along. We want to make sure that you're able to take notes. Uh, we also want to be sure that you understand why, right, we are created in Christ Jesus and in part that is to make disciples. And this outline that you have in front of you, as I, I remind you weekly, is a tool that you can utilize in order to help someone else 
else grow in their faith, right? One of the ways that we help other people grow in their faith is by sharing the word of God with them. And a lot of times, you know, we don't know exactly what it is that we should share. But what I would challenge you to do is to find somebody, a coworker, a neighbor, a classmate, um, somebody who you can sit down and simply share what you are learning on Sunday mornings and just go through what you've learned here on Sundays and their faith will grow, your faith will grow, and you'll, and you'll be able to continue the process of being a disciple maker. And the reason why that's so important, because if you look at your outline, the church in Acts was marked by their love for God, their commitment to growing together in community around God's word, the gospel or communion, prayer, their commitment to serving one another, and their commitment to reaching others, resulting in miraculous growth and a move of God that continues every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning, we get up here when we welcome you uh, at, during our greeting time. We always go through our core commitments, right? And we talk about we're committed to loving God. We're committed to growing together. We're committed to serving, and we are committed to reaching others, right? And in this whole series, Upside Down, the one thing that we've seen throughout the book of Acts is that the church in the book of Acts was committed just like we declare we are every week. We see these things fleshed out. We see these things lived out in the book of Acts. And so we say that, and the reason why I bring that up is because it is so important that you and I understand that if we are going to turn our world upside down, our lives, our church must be marked by these same commitments. Must be marked. Not just that we learn some words. I can almost assure you that they never got up there on Sunday morning, Saturday morning, during communion meal and said, we're committed to this, we're committed to that. I can assure you none of that happened. You want to know why? Because when you read church history, they started these things, you know, the creeds and stuff like that. Those declarations came a long time after what we read in the book of Acts. But what we see is a people who were committed to making disciples. And today we're talking about this last commitment which is the commitment to reaching others. And I want you to think about this because our willingness to witness is a direct reflection of how big Jesus is to us. I'll say that again. Our willingness to witness is a direct reflection of how big Jesus is to us. And there is no coincidence, right? I'm using this word big. I thought about that specific word, right? I, I, I wanted to emphasize the word big because I think that that matters in this, in this whole um, thought because how big is Jesus to you? How big is he in your life? How big is he in your mind? How big is he in your thoughts? I, I thought about it this way. You know, if I was, let's just say, I was walking down a street, right? And I was uh, in an area that was scary and I was by myself. I would probably walk very fast, right? And I would, if I, if I didn't have to go through there, I would probably not go that route. However, right, if I had someone with me, it would make it a lot easier for me to walk down that street, right? And if it was somebody that was big, right, like somebody that was well-known, right, like somebody who, was, who, who, who I knew could handle business, right, you know what? I wouldn't have any fear at all. I wouldn't even think. I, matter of fact, I wouldn't look to the left or to the right. I would just pay attention to them because you know what? They got my back right? I'm good, right? Walking with them. If, if that same person said to me, hey, wherever you go, I'm going with you. Guess what? I would fear nothing. I would want to, I would be okay going anywhere, right? Because of how big this person is in my mind, because I understand how, how, how much they can do, because that to me would be enough for me to say, you know what? I don't need to be afraid. 
I don't need to have any issues. And can I tell you something? When we talk about witnessing, it comes down to that. And I will say this as well. It's not only about witnessing. And so please don't only equate this to us reaching others. I believe this firmly. Many of the issues that we face in our lives, the reason why we face it and we walk in defeat is because Jesus just isn't big enough. Jesus is just not big enough. He's, he's, not, he's not bigger than whatever that is. I don't know what that is, right? We all, we all have a that is in our life. My question is, is that bigger than him? So that's the question. Is that it? Is that thing bigger than Jesus or is Jesus bigger? And so when it comes to the context of witnessing, sharing our faith, it is directly a reflection of how big Jesus is to us, right? Because we, we can talk about the different reasons and we'll get into that right now. But say this with me, reaching others, which is evangelism, is for everyone. Reaching others, which is evangelism, is for everyone. I'll say it like this. If everyone is not reaching someone, everyone is not being reached. Are you here? If everyone is not reaching someone, everyone is not being reached. When you go into a restaurant, some of you are going to go to a restaurant today, and when you go into this restaurant, you're going to sit down, and they're going to seat you in a certain, in a certain table. And to, your, to yours and my eyes, if we didn't know any better, right, we know better because we, you know, have some kind of common sense. And so we realize that even though I'm at this table, you wonder sometimes why, you know, there's different waiters, different waitresses that will come to your table, and sometimes the person next to you has a different waitress there. Because what they have done is they have broken this down into sections, right? And so every waiter or waitress is responsible for a specific section. And so the beauty of this is when you go to a restaurant and the, and the process is working well, you know what happens? What happens is your section is taken care of very well, right? Your waitress, your waiter, they come to your table quickly. You're not sitting there for 15, 20 minutes waiting on someone to come and say hello. Come on now. Right, and, and, and then they come to you, they get your drink order, right? And then they go get your drink order, they give you a couple of minutes, say, do you want an appetizer? And they come make sure all that stuff is taken care of. And if things are taking a little bit longer than anticipated, they're communicating with you. This is them taking care of their section and their area, right? But if you're sitting in the wrong section, hello now. Right? You sit in that area where it takes them 15, 20 minutes to come talk to you. And then when they come, by the time they come and get, bring your drinks out there, you're dying of thirst, right? And you're ready to order. And then they just drop the drinks off and they run and they go. And you're like, hello, I was ready to order. I had appetizer, dessert. I had everything ready, right? I didn't even think about anything, right? Because I'm famished here and you've been away for 30 minutes. And then you start thinking right away like, oh, my goodness, man, this person is not getting a good tip. Come on now. You know that's the kind of conversation. Here's, here's the reason why I bring that analogy up. It's because one example is someone taking care of their section. Someone who is being deliberate, who is being intentional, is doing what they need to do with the section they've been entrusted with. The other one is an example of someone who is not doing what they need to do with the section that they have been entrusted with. And can I tell you something? Each of us has been entrusted with a section. In this world, we have all been entrusted with a section. And look, wherever God has stationed you in life, I need you to know that's your section. Right? It's not just for some people. It's for all people. Evangelism is for everyone. And if God has placed you there, listen, you may not even like your section. Hello. Come on now. Right? You know, so, can, can, can I tell you something? Some waitresses and some waiters, they don't like you. Hello. Right? 
They, they, they may not like you because they don't like your accent. Hello, somebody, because you sound like someone they don't. I'm just saying, like, there could be reason. You remind them or you smell like someone that they just don't like. I'm just saying, like, maybe your attitude, because I know, I know none of us ever has an attitude, right, when we go into a restaurant, right? Never. And, and, and sometimes, you know, you walk and you sit down at a table and you just feel like, well, I'm giving you a tip, so you need to treat me right. Hello. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but I, I know that's none of y'all. That's someone else. Anyway, um, but, 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 but the reality is that, you know, you may not even like your section. You may not even like the people that God has placed you. You may feel like these people are impossible. Hello, somebody. But can I tell you something? God put you there for those people. God placed you there so that way you could be utilized in order to impact those people. Some of us, listen, I, and, I, and I can confess this. I'm not going to point the finger at you. I can confess this myself. Like some of us, we're not even paying attention to our section all the time. Right? Like our neighbors, we don't even know our neighbors. The other day, this, this is so funny, my daughter, so they were one of the people in the neighborhood, they were asking about if someone could babysit. And so, you know, once in a while I'll throw, you know, I'll throw and be like, hey, you know, my daughter, she needs some money. Hello. I didn't say it like that, right? I'm just like, well, hey, my daughter, you know, she babysits our neighbor. His name is Jack. Joe, there you go. I thought it was Jack. So I literally am typing, and I'm, I type in there, and I'm like, hey. I said, well, my daughter Alexa, she could babysit. She babysits our neighbor Jack all the time. And so about two days later, my daughter comes and reads the post because she wants to know who I was talking to. And she's like, Dad, his name is Shirley Joe, right? So what am I saying? Like, I'm not, I, I'm, man, I'm this kid, I'm praying for Jack. It's really Joe, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just, I, I'm, 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 I'm lying right now, right? I'm not even praying for Jack or Joe. The problem is, like, most of us are not even paying attention to our section, right? And so here's the thing that I realized, that we have many reasons why evangelism is such an issue, but there is really one problem. How big is Jesus? That's the real issue here. How big is Jesus, right? Is Jesus big enough for you to recognize, man, he is with me in my neighborhood. He is with me in my workplace. He is with me on the school campus. He is with me in the gym. He is with me with my family. He is with me in all of those scenarios. And no matter how impossible, how difficult, how frustrating those people or circumstances may seem, Jesus is bigger than all of that. See, because when I look at my Bible, what we find here, look at verse, uh, verse 1. It says, now Saul was consenting to his death. And so just to rewind really quickly and recap, what I want you to realize is that the church in Acts, these people that are being described here, they had just witnessed the first martyr. And they, they had just finished the first person who was killed for the faith. His name was Stephen. And if you back up a little bit more, you'll notice in the beginning, the, the book of Acts starts, the church is praying up in the upper room. The the Holy Spirit comes down. The power of God comes upon them. They begin to witness boldly. The church begins to grow. Acts chapter 6 comes along. There's a bunch of disciples. There's a bunch of widows that are Grecian and Jewish widows, and they're not getting equal portions, and the complaint rises up, you know, because when people start getting together, they start complaining, right? You know how that goes, right? So they start complaining, and the apostles are like, you know what? Let's appoint seven people that are full of wisdom, that are full of the spirit, that are full of faith, of good reputation. And there's these guys. There's two of them in particular that we see here. One of them is by the name of Stephen, who's the first one who gets killed. And the second one is the name of Philip, which is the guy that we'll deal with throughout this text. But there's a guy here. His name is Saul. And some of you know him by the name Paul. Because later on, he becomes the apostle who writes most of the New Testament. But I want you to see what 
Saul is doing before he comes to Jesus. Saul is consenting to the death of Stephen. Stephen starts preaching the gospel, and you know what they did? They stoned Stephen because of his faith, because of his boldness. They kill him in this manner, and and it is all for what? It is all because Christianity at that time is not legal. And they have, these people that, that were part of this stoning of Stephen, these people that were there, they had done what? Just a little while ago, they had crucified Jesus. And guess what? Jesus rose again. Hello. They tried to silence Jesus. They couldn't silence. I mean, they did everything they could, literally. They killed the guy. He rises from the dead. He reveals himself for 40 days. And then he tells his guys, listen, I want you to wait in Jerusalem till you're filled with power. We're going to talk about that in a moment. And then they get filled with the Holy Spirit. And they start this revolution, which is what we're talking about, turning the world upside down. And so when we look at these people, these people had just seen this. And look what it says. It says, at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And it says, and they, now look at this. It says, they were all, say all. They were all scattered throughout the region, uh, the regions of Judea and Samaria, say except. Except the apostles. And so everyone was scattered except for the apostles. Why? Because reaching others, which is evangelism, is for everyone. It's not just for leadership. It's not just for the church leaders. See, some people would have you believe that, this, that, 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 the, that what was happening in the book of Acts was just because the 12 guys who walked with Jesus, they were everywhere and they were preaching the gospel. And that's why people are getting saved. This is not true. What we see here is that the people who got saved as a result of the 12 guys preaching, those people began to be scattered and they began preaching. You know why? Because they were simply doing what they saw those 12 guys do. They, those 12 guys were preaching everywhere, communicating the truth everywhere, and they said, you know what? This is what we're supposed to do. And so when they left, what did the Bible say they did? The Bible says, look at verse 4. It says, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. They went everywhere, everywhere they went. And remember, when you, when you rewind and you go back to Jesus' last words, he told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until you, are filled, until you are endued with power so you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so guess what we see happening here? We see prophecy being fulfilled. These guys, and again, it's not those 12 because those 12 were in Jerusalem. They're comforting, they're strengthening, they're encouraging the church that is being highly persecuted. Havoc is being wrecked on the church. These people are being pulled out of their houses and going to prison. It wasn't just um, communication uh, that, that was negative toward them Christians. Are you here? See, in our days, that's the level of persecution we have in the United States of America at this point. At this point, later on, it's going to be something different. But right now, you know what the biggest thing is? They talk bad about you. You know the biggest thing is they call you names. Oh, my goodness, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer, right? Like, it, like, like sticks and stones may break my bones, words never hurt me. I think it's a bad nursery rhyme, you know what I'm saying? Because words, like, really hurt people, right? Like, words, like, really devastate people. But my Christian brothers and sisters, words should not hurt you like that. Right? Words that they're communicating shouldn't make you feel so bad about yourself, shouldn't make you be quiet, shouldn't shut you up in a shell somewhere, shouldn't make you, you know, defensive about things on the wrong way. It should motivate you to preach this gospel. And so we see here that they are going through this. The church in Acts had just seen, I just told you this, they just saw the first martyr, which is Stephen. So you know what that meant? Guess what? You're next. If you keep preaching this gospel, you are next. And guess what? Jesus was bigger than that threat. Oh, that's so awesome. 
Jesus was bigger. Listen, it, Jesus, it, 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 and, and, I, and I don't want to minimize this because I understand that there's a genuine fear that some of you have, like fear of rejection, right? Like you're, you're afraid to tell someone about Jesus. Like whenever you feel like led, and we're going to talk about being led by the Holy Spirit, but whenever you feel like something, and you may not even know what it is, but you feel something like, I need to go speak to that person. We're just going to say that you just feel something, right? And then there's something else that grips you like almost immediately, at the, almost simultaneously. You feel like, I need to go speak, and then immediately all these thoughts start running into your mind. I can't do that because they may say this, they may do that. And all these things begin to like push you back from you moving forward. Can I tell you something? Jesus is bigger than that. These people, it wasn't about someone rejecting their words. It was about someone saying, yo, these people are talking about Jesus. Let's take them to prison. That's a different thing. And they were saying, Jesus is bigger than all of those threats. Jesus is bigger than the religious establishment that is opposing the gospel truth. And so what we have to understand is this. It is not until the reality of the resurrection sinks in and grips our heart that we will become emboldened witnesses for the gospel. Listen, when you understand, I was sharing this a few weeks ago. I don't remember what week it was, but we were talking about weight classes. And, we, and I said, you know what? God is outside of the weight class of any other religion. Y'all remember when I said that, right? God is outside. He, he is beyond. There is no weight class of religion that compares him. See, we allow the culture to make us believe that there's some religion that kind of equates to Christianity that's almost like that. I need to let you know that that is a lie. Christianity stands above any other religion because our Savior, our prophet, our God is not some dead guy. Our God is one who died and rose again. And here's why this becomes so important because this was the message that they were preaching. What we have to realize is this, especially for our young people in the room, is that this resurrection story is not just some story. This is something that has been communicated through a primary source, which is the Bible. And yet, when you go back historically, you know what you find? You find secondary sources that are extra biblical, that are outside of the Bible, that communicate about this Jesus who rose again. You have things that are saying, yes, what the Bible says actually happened. You know why that becomes so important to you? Because when people come at you talking about, oh, that book that you believe, it's not that book that I believe. It's about the Jesus that rose. It's about this guy that history proves his existence. It's about this guy that rose again. You know what? I, I, you, you, can I tell you something? You may not have every single answer about this book. You don't have to have every answer about this book. You need one answer that's in this book, and that's Jesus. You need one answer because you can build from there. Because here's what I want you to know. Now, this is outside of what I just said. All this other stuff in this book is accurate. Hello. All the, but, but you trying to figure out all that stuff, start with Jesus. Because that's what, that's what Philip does when he's communicating. He does what? He communicates Jesus. Bring me to my second point here. Say this with me. Reaching others, Reaching others. Must, be done must be done in the power, in the power. of the Holy Spirit. Reaching others must be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about this for a moment. The apostles walked with Jesus. And as they walked with Jesus, they were there with him for three years. They witnessed Jesus' teachings. They witnessed Jesus' miracles. And we know that not every single thing that Jesus did in those three years is written down here. We know that every, every single miracle he did is not written down here because the Bible tells us so. But we have enough information in here that was written down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to let us have a robust faith in who Jesus is. Here's my point. For three years, those disciples walked with Jesus. For three years, those disciples listened to Jesus teach and listened to Jesus 
Jesus preach. They saw Jesus deal with situations and circumstances. And at the end of those three years, after Jesus died and rose again, what did Jesus tell his disciples that knew the right things to say? They had a witness of their relationship with Jesus. He tells them, wait in Jerusalem until you are filled with power. He doesn't tell them, go preach. He tells them, wait until you're filled with power. Why does that matter? Because we need the power of the Holy Spirit manifesting in and through our lives when we are preaching this gospel. Let's read this together. Let's look at what happens here. Verse 5 says, then Philip went down. I want you to see what's going on here because this is so important for us to grasp. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. So he's going to a place where they haven't heard the gospel yet, right? And it says, and he preached Christ to them. Right? It didn't say he went in there trying to expound the Torah and explain all the laws. and all. No, no, no. He preached Christ to them. He preached the resurrection to them. He preached the gospel to them. Right? That God is holy. That man is sinful. That we cannot do anything to appease God. That God came in the form of a man, the son of God, died in our place, rose again, offers us new life if we will put our faith and our trust in him, gives us a new identity, but we have to put our trust in him. So he preaches the Christ to them. And he says this, and it says, and the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. You see what's happening here. He's preaching a message, but there is power that is accompanying this message. He said this, for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed and there was great joy in that city and so what do we see we see the power of God confronting sickness we see the power of God confronting demon possession we see the kingdom of God on display and so here's what goes on it, it doesn't stop there but he goes on to say this it says but there was a certain man called Simon and there's a reason why Simon is in this story and I want you to see why it says who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria claiming that he was someone great and so there's a guy here who has some kind of power that's operating in his life there's some kind of witness to who he is and to the claims that he's making and he says to whom all gave heed from the least of the greatest listen to what they were saying saying this man is the great power of God and so thus far these people are thinking that this Simon dude he's the man He's the one who has the answers, right? He's the one who is representing God in our city. Can, I just want to pause for a moment because I want you to understand something. That there are people, not necessarily on a spiritual level, there are some that are on the spiritual side that they are saying, this is God. This is the way God moves. This is what God wills. And because we think that that's where God is, we want to follow what they're saying. But, Paul, but, but what we see here is that Philip is bringing a message that is pointing them to who? Christ. A message who is pointing them to Christ, who is pointing them to who God is. And it says in verse 11, and they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. It says, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And look at this. This is so awesome. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now, what I want you to get is this. 
is that we are coming against whenever you preach the gospel. This is the reason why the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is so important. This is why Jesus said to his disciples, wait in Jerusalem until you are filled with power. It is because they were confronting another kingdom. Are you here? They were coming against another realm, another reign of authority. And in, that, and in that realm and reign of authority, while the kingdom of darkness is an inferior kingdom, it is not as strong, nearly as strong as the kingdom of God. If we are not walking in the power of God's spirit, when we share the gospel, we are coming ill-equipped. We are not coming empowered by God in order to bring deliverance to those who are under the influence of that kingdom. Are you here? We have to be those people who understand, listen, people are not just going to come out of bondage because we know how to argue well. Are you here? People are not going to walk away from their addictions just because you can prove to them that addiction is bad. Are you here? People are not just going to say, well, addiction is hurting your family. You know, people know that and they're still walking in addictions. You know why? Because they're under the influence of a kingdom of darkness and they need the power of God's kingdom to come into their life. People are living in sin in different areas of their life. They're living in that sin and they're continuing in that place of sin, not because they don't know that it's bad for them it's because they don't know how to be free and the only way that freedom comes is through the power of God through the transforming work of Jesus Christ but if we're not walking in the power of God we're not going to bring deliverance to anyone we're not going to bring anyone out of the confusion they're in we're not going to bring anyone out of the bondage that they're in and it's not because we're confident in what we're saying or not listen it's not even about that trust me when I tell you it's not like these people had every single answer that's not it but they had the power of God they had the power of God in their lives. And what we need to make sure is that we're walking in the power of God. Here's the issue. The issue is all of us want the kingdom of God through us. We just don't want the kingdom of God over us. All of us want to see God move in our lives. But we don't want God to reign in our lives. All of us want to hear God answer our prayers. Yes. Yeah, all of us want God to do things in and through our lives. God, God, we want God. God, move in this way. My question is this, and I think this becomes the most important question. Have you submitted to him as Lord? Have you yielded your life to him as Lord? Because you know what? These people here, they're ready to die. They're like, oh, yeah, we're, we might die if we do this, but you know what? We're going to do it anyway because Jesus was bigger. He was bigger than all that stuff. So the question ultimately comes, is he Lord? Have we surrendered to his lordship? Because these people did. They saw the power of God. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, reaching others, reaching others. Must, be must be led by the Holy Spirit. So the first thing that I said, right, is that reaching others, which is evangelism, that's for everyone. And I said reaching others must be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. But reaching others must also be led by the Holy Spirit. See, something that we have to realize is that we need to be filled with the power of God. And it sounds like these two could not possibly be opposed to one another. But I want you to know something. It is very possible for someone to be filled with the power of God and not necessarily be led by the Spirit of God in every single thing you do. You want to know why? Because we live in this flesh. And we may have good desires, right? Not bad. I'm not saying bad things. I'm talking about good desires, like to do good things. And yet what? <laughs> That's not the spirit leading us. That's a good desire leading us. That's a righteous desire leading us. 
And I'm going to point that out to you in a moment. You can, you can just write this down. But Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 10 gives us a crystal clear picture of that. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But what we have here, I want you to look over to verse 26, if you will, in chapter 8. Verse 26, very powerful portion of scripture. I won't read all of it, but I want you to see something that's so important. Was that we see that Philip, who was this one of these first, um, one of the first deacons, if you want to call him that, in the church, meant to serve or, or called to serve tables. Stephen is already killed, and, just, and, and, Peter, and Philip's like, you know what? I'm going to just follow in this guy's footsteps. I'm going to be as bold. I'm going to be as, as valiant as, as I can be. And he goes out there, and, and the Bible says this in verse 26. It says, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? So let's pause for a moment because some of you are sitting here and you're like, okay, well, the, well, the verse 26 said, an angel of the Lord appeared to Philip. And so some of you are saying, okay, are you trying to say that we need to wait for an angel of the Lord to appear to us for us to preach the gospel? No, that is not what I'm saying. We'll probably be waiting for a long time if we're waiting for that moment, right? How many of you have ever seen an angel? Come on, raise your hand real quick. Have you seen an angel, right? Not many of us, right? If you, if you have, right? Right? So none of us have really, how, how about this? How many of us have had a conversation with an angel? Right? Probably not, right? That, that's something that's not normal, right? I want to say this, hands down. Philip, he's an anomaly, right? He's a special guy. I don't want to take away from that. He's a special guy. As a matter of fact, he's the only guy in the, in, the, in the whole New Testament that is actually called an evangelist. Later on, they call him an evangelist. And so he is a guy that is an evangelist. It doesn't mean that evangelism is for everyone. But there's a reason why God showed up to him in this way. Because at that time, you got to remember what he was doing. He was running up on someone's chariot, right? So this is like the equivalent of running up into someone's house, right? Like just you running up into someone's house like you own the place, right? And so when you're doing this, you got to think about this. This is a guy that's like royalty. He's got a chariot. He's going down the road. You know, they're going, they're going home. And so there's some, there's some guards around there, right? There's some people around there that if you're coming up on it, you're going to get killed. Are you here? Right? They're not going to let you. Do, do you not read what it just said? He, he was in charge of the treasury, meaning that the guy had all kind of money. Like there was some stuff that he had that was of value. And so, yes, an angel had to appear in order for Philip to be sure this was God. Hello. This wasn't like indigestion, right? Like I, was, I wasn't just feeling something. I, you know, I really feel led. It wasn't, no, no, it wasn't that feeling led. It's like I know that God said something to me, right? God communicated something to me because of the seriousness of the situation. It's kind of like you, you know, going, you know, somewhere, and, and, and there's someone of prominence and importance that's there, and you're like, man, I, God, you want me to speak to them? And God's like, yes. I'm going to make it crystal clear to you. And so God gives him this revelation. He shows him what he's supposed to do. And so he goes up there, and then I won't read the rest of the story. But what happens here is as he goes, he overtakes this. He hears him reading Isaiah, actually Isaiah 53, which is what we read here during our communion time. As he's reading Isaiah, he goes through the book of Isaiah. As he's going through the book of Isaiah, he's, communi- he, he's there, and he's like, do you understand what you're reading? He's like, no, I don't, unless someone explains it to me. The Bible says that he explained to who, he, he, he preached the Christ to him throughout this whole thing. He came up there for what? To bring salvation to this guy's life. 
to preach the truth to this guy's life, to help this guy come out of this place of confusion. Jump down with me to verse 36. And it says this, verse 34. It says, so the the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Please understand this. The message that we have is the gospel. It's about Jesus. It is about Jesus. Listen, don't allow anyone, don't allow anything to distract you from the message of Christ. This is what Philip did. He explained to him about who Jesus was. Verse 36 says, Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said this, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That was the message. That was the goal. It wasn't that he believed every other thing. It was that he believed the most important thing because if you believe the most important thing, you'll build on all the other things. The foundation is that Jesus is the son of God. Our message again is about Christ. So he's baptized. And I love this. And I'm just reading this because I want you to see this. I think that this is a pretty amazing moment. And he says, so he commanded the chariot in verse 38 to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing, but Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. And so we see the first, like, beam me up Scotty moment. Are you here? Right? For those of you that don't know Star Trek, I'm sorry. Just go Google that. I don't know any other way to explain that. But it's like they're there one moment, they're in another place the next. And so he has this moment. So they go down into the water together. It's like me and Ozzy going to the pool together. I'm going to baptize him in the water. Ozzy comes up, and I'm gone. Right? That's being led by the Spirit, right? I'm not telling you that's going to happen to you. Are you here? Right? It'd be beautiful if it did, right? Some of you are like, Lord, can you just take me from here right now? Can I just go somewhere like that? Anyway, but... Ultimately, right, we, we, we see this beautiful, beautiful moment where the Spirit of the Lord is moving in this, in, in this life. He's moving in this way. And I told you that I was going to talk about how the Spirit of God leads us in, in ways sometimes where God says no. And you don't have to turn, but if you, if when you go in on your own time, Acts chapter 16 is a great example of this. Because the Apostle Paul, remember the guy Saul who was consenting to Stephen's death? Well, after he gets saved, he's a guy that is impassioned. He is emboldened. He is on fire for the Lord and the gospel. And he is desiring to preach the gospel every place he goes, every time he goes somewhere. And the scripture tells us in Acts chapter 16 that what? That Paul comes to one place and the Holy Spirit is like, nope, don't go there. And comes to another place and he's like, I'm going to, the Holy Spirit's like, nope, don't go there. And then he has a vision and he sees somebody from Macedonia, a man who is saying, hey, come and help us. And he's like, finally, the Lord is opening up a door for me to preach. Can I tell you something? That is the heart that you and I should have. It should be that God has to tell us to shut up, not that God has to tell us to speak. Are you here? Did you get that? 
That's the heart that we should have, is that God has to say, stop speaking. And here's why that's so important for us, because we don't need to say, you know, we, 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 we need the boldness to communicate the gospel, but we also need to be led by the Holy Spirit, because you know what? And this is the thing that I don't understand all the time, and I don't think that anybody that I know really understands this, but there are some moments, and you know what? God knows those moments when it's not time for someone to hear that message. Are you here? There are some moments it's like, nope, that's not what they need to hear there. And in conversations, I, I can tell you that I have, I have, I have learned, I have, I've made this a discipline in my life to when I'm sitting down in a conversation with someone and I am like offended by what they're saying or I'm stirred by what they're saying or I'm like, man, I got to correct this person. I have, to, I have to inject my opinion into that. I, I, I have to pause for a moment and just in my heart of hearts say, God, do you want me to speak right now? God, because I, I, I'm not trying to just win an argument. Listen, at this point in my life, I'm smart enough to win some arguments. Not all, hello. But there's some that I can argue and I can debate and I can show you, hey, I read this, I learned this. Yeah, I've already gone through that. But you know what? Sometimes it's not time for that conversation. Some moments it's not time for that conversation. And what Paul shows us is that it is important for us to be led by the Spirit of God. Because here's the one thing that I understand. Is that the leading of the Holy Spirit does not always lead to conversions, but it always leads to fulfilling God's purpose. It doesn't always lead to conversions, but it will always lead to fulfilling God's purpose. And for some moments, you know what? God's purpose is simply expressing his love to someone who doesn't think they're worthy. Sometimes God's purpose is just being an ear for someone who hasn't had anyone listen to them and them knowing that you're a Christian listening to them. Are you here? For some, for some moments, it's just you sowing a seed into someone's life. It's not you bringing that person across the line of faith, no matter how zealous and passionate you may be. But here's what I'm saying. Being led by the Spirit of God should be that God tells you to be quiet, not that God has to tell you to speak all the time. Are you here? That should be the place that we come to. And so here, here becomes the question that we must ask ourselves is this, is do we believe that the Holy Spirit still leads people? Do we believe that? If you have any question about that, the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And so one of the markers of us being sons and daughters of the Most High God is that we are led by the Spirit of God. That his spirit leads us. And so the second part to that question is this. Are you seeking for God to direct you? Are you seeking for the Holy Spirit to lead you in life and especially in this area of reaching others? My closing question goes back to the big idea that I had earlier. How big is Jesus to you? How big is he to you? How big is he to you? What, what you know, we, we talk about this often. And we talk about reaching others, right? We talk about the reasons well, I'm intimidated. I'm fearful. I think I don't have all the answers. And we can go down the list of things, but here's my answer. How big is Jesus? How big is he? How big is he? I, I, I want you to think about this because how big he is is going to determine your motivation, right? And I was, I was talking to Brother Tracy in between services, and he said, you know, if someone said that they would give you a million dollars, if you read your Bible every day, how many people you think would read their Bible every day? How about this? If somebody came up to you and said, hey, at the end of this year, I'm going to give you a million dollars. I just need proof that you've witnessed to one person every day for 365 days of the year. How many of you would feel that, that, that right there? I'm just saying, can I get a show of hands? Come on now, right? You don't, you don't want to raise your hand because you know what you're really saying. Yeah, amen. 
Let's all stand on our feet and let's pray together. We're going to pray for the right motivation. Amen? Ah. Grab somebody's hand and let's pray. Let's pray for that person's motivation. I want you to pray for them. And since you're grabbing someone's hand, someone's going to be praying for you as well. That we will have the right motivation that Jesus will be bigger than anything else in our lives. Bigger than any fears, bigger than any doubts. Father, we come to you today and we humble our hearts in your presence. And we pray, Spirit of God, that you would give us the right motivation. Jesus, that you would be bigger than any other thing, that you would be bigger than any excuse, that you would be bigger than any obstacle, that you would be bigger than any reason that we may have not to be witnesses. Lord, let us not hide behind excuses any longer, but let our motivation be correct. Father, as I've preached this series, it has been with the hope to inspire my brothers and my sisters with the hope that we have that we can turn the world upside down. Holy Spirit, we need a fresh wind from you. We need a fresh breath from you. And so we call upon you today. Fill us afresh, God. Fill us afresh, Spirit of the Lord. Empower us that we may go forth in your power not our own, in your might, not our own, in your wisdom, not our own. Lead us to make the greatest impact for your glory, for your honor, and help us be faithful. Help us be faithful with the section that you've entrusted us with. Let us believe you for every soul in that section. Let us be desperate in prayer over every soul in that section. Be it our family members, be it our coworkers, be it our neighbors. Lord God, be it those schoolmates with us. Lord God, whoever is in the section of our life, Lord, that you have placed us in, Lord, we pray for revival there. Begin in us. We surrender this to you and we pray all of these things. In the great name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. amen. Come on and give the Lord a hand of praise. <laughs>